1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: 971
3: FM
4: Talk Podcast.
3: That is exactly what I needed to hear.
0: Thank God someone here knows what they're talking
4: about. That's
3: us, that's right. Gotta
1: love this American ride.
5: Right, you need to take the time and get the full picture.
1: Don't get me wrong, I love the ladies. I mean, they rev my engine, but they don't belong in the newsroom. It is Anchor Man, not Anchor Lady. What do you
6: want from me?
3: I'm not a married For the sake. Yeah. keep your voice down your father's
1: listening to the radio I'm not a this
5: is the Annie fry show you've got the best economy of any economy in the world right now and that literally is true but people turn on the television and what do you hear everything's negative even the good stuff ends up negative or and a lot of it is negative you turn on the television and you hear about hurricanes that nobody no one there to help. You hear about nations at war. You hear, you'll see what's going on in Ukraine and see what's going on in the Middle East. But I really do believe in the heart and the guts of the American people.
3: Well, that's the president speaking about the economy under his presidency. He says they have the best economy in the world. That's an interesting qualification. Steve Moore, our friend, is joining us on an Iowa caucus day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. He's the distinguished fellow in economics at Heritage Foundation. Steve, thanks for some of the time today. It's quite a busy day in politics and news. Hi,
4: Hi, Annie. Good to be with you.
3: Thank you. You know, one of the things that I've noticed that President Biden often says when he's trying to hype the economy is he doesn't compare our economy to the best our economy can be, he compares it to the rest of the world and the different countries' economies. Is there a reason why he's doing that, that saying it that way?
4: <laughs> because that's a pretty low bar to set, right? I mean, the rest of the world is, is really dependent on the United States. We're the hub of the world economy, and every other country is a spoke. And so, you know, when we do poorly, the rest of the world does poorly. And um, so, um, right now, the economy has certainly improved over what it was a year and a half ago, but the, the Biden still has a problem. Not 70 to 75 percent of Americans say their finances are in worse shape now than when Trump was in office. And so the American people aren't feeling the love for this <laughs> for this situation. I mean, he keeps saying things like we got the border secure. Everything is going great in Ukraine. Uh, don't worry about the Middle East. We got that under control. But nobody believes them.
3: Yeah, it's hard to believe that when you realize the prices on the everyday goods that we're shopping for, that we right. need for our family, aren't reflecting this really positive economy. Is is the well, grocery situation going to change for Americans anytime soon?
4: I hope so. <laughs> I hope we can start to see some relief. I mean, you know, the groceries, by the way, on average, you know, the price of things from eggs to ground beef to cereal, uh, things that people buy routinely, those are up by about 22% over the last three years. The gas price is up by about 30%. The mortgage pay- prices are up about 50%. So when you think about these essentials that people have to buy – they're much worse than even the official inflation numbers. Yeah, you know, computer costs are coming down, communications costs are coming down, but the things you have to buy—your uh, your electric utility bill—you have to pay every month. Uh, you know, the the groceries, the gas pump—all those things are much more expensive.
3: Yeah, and that's that's what that's what the everyday American, you know, especially here in Flyover Country, is really looking at and not feeling any relief from.
4: Yeah, but by the way, you can probably get a, an EV on a discount now because you've seen nobody's buying EVs. And so the showroom, yeah. I, mean, I shouldn't be laughing, but the showrooms uh, and the dealerships around the country are just filled with EVs that nobody wants to buy. So they have to slash the costs, even though the, uh, the car companies are already losing money even before they slash the cost. And did you see the story that Hertz is now selling 20,000 EVs because nobody wants to rent them? Yeah.
3: Yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking, too, about just right here where I'm sitting, it's warmed up to six degrees in St. Louis. We've had negative temperatures, <laughs> as it has around a lot of the the country. Yeah. But I've seen that we've had power outages around here, and I've seen notes that have been put up on Facebook, social media, so on and so forth, saying, you know, use the least amount of electricity you can right now because everybody's paying surge pricing. Don't charge your vehicles right now. I'm like, well, what have you got to get to work? I mean, it's not really yeah. in practice. What the John Kerry energy, green energy uh, effort has has been forced upon American people. It's not realistic. It's not something that we're prepared for at this point in time. Maybe it's a future expectation. I was wondering what you think about the John Kerry exit from the administration moving Uh into the political side on this campaign. You think that that's going to make a difference?
4: Oh, yeah. It's going to cause millions and millions of uh, voters to vote for Joe Biden. No question about it. (laughs) I'm I'm being facetious, of course. (laughs) I mean, he was he was a total disaster as these climate change. I mean, he goes to these climate change conferences. Oh, we got to deal with China. We got to deal with India. No, we don't. I mean, China and India are using more. Coal and fossil fuels than ever before. They're laughing at us and they're laughing at John Kerry. Uh, and uh, you know, meanwhile, you've got the EV companies. Many of them are going bankrupt. This was in 2023. The planet, the you know, economies of the world use more fossil fuels than ever before. Gee, I thought we were making a transition. Mm. Uh, but I want to make a point, if I may. I want to amplify something you just said, Annie, because it's important. You know, we're we're starting to see, you know, here, I'm here in uh, suburban Maryland and we have, uh, you know, it's nice. It's it's pretty. Uh, we got a, snow, a little snowstorm going on. But, you know, people are using more electric power when it gets cold because we're not as cold as you are, but it's cold <laughs> here. And um, the the point I want to make is that, you know, they, when you get these weather events, it puts a lot of stress on the electric grid system. And we our electric grid system is already um, not as reliable as it should be. It is overburdened. And uh, you've seen in California, you've heard about this, right, Annie, the brownouts and blackouts they've had Mm -hmm. there. Uh, What I'm here to tell you is if we go down this path, uh, we're going to have that all over the country. Uh, And and when you need the electric grid system the most, you know, when you have frigid temperatures or, you know, heat waves and things like that. And that doesn't even include the fact. That under this crazy transportation idea that uh, Biden has, where the whole transportation system goes on the electric grid, how are we going to possibly, how is that going to possibly work? You know, you're going to have brownouts. And, black. and And you know what I'm here to tell you? What they're going to do is they're going to ration it. They're going to ration your electricity. They're going to they're going to have controls on your thermostat in your house. They're going to tell you, how you know, when you can drive your car. I saw a poll the other day of, of elite Democrats saying, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't fly on an airplane for leisure and vacation travel only for business. <laughs> These people are crazy. Yeah,
3: yeah it's i mean it's just it just feels really at the heart and soul of it unamerican and you know you're saying that it this is. is what they're going to tell us to do uh, right. just just to throw you into a little Iowa caucus conversation we as americans can make it so that that's not the case we can vote for freedom and liberty and and mm-hmm. get somebody like donald trump who i know you are an advisor to uh, uh-huh. back into office and get back to the business of doing and living the way americans do and live You have any thoughts or predictions about the caucuses now that we're actually gonna get some numbers instead of just polls on the page?
4: (laughs) I, n- I would never make a prediction about Iowa. Been, you know, <laughs> if you look throughout the la- like the last 30 years, 30, 40 years, you know, Iowa always throws some curveballs. Mm-hmm. You know, people forget that, uh, you know, Huckabee, I think, won the Iowa caucus. And uh, who was this? Santorum. Remember, yes. Rick Santorum won the Iowa caucus. So uh, the Iowa uh, voters like to, you know, throw us some uh, surprises. So we'll see. I mean, the polls have Trump with about a 30 point lead, but uh, I do think Trump will win. The real question, of course, is who will t- finish in second. And I do believe that if DeSantis does not finish in second, if Nikki Haley finishes in second place, I think that DeSantis will li- very likely drop out of the race. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a two-person race between Nick- Nikki Haley and, uh, and Donald Trump.
3: Well, the sooner we can get to squaring our focus on the Democrat opponent and not ourselves, I am looking forward to that moment. I
4: agree with that. You know, And, and the good news is that the Democrats— If you're a Republican, I'm not assuming everybody on your show listening to your show is Republican, but Mm -hmm. if you are a Republican, and the good news, it looks like that the Democrats are on this collision course to actually make Joe Biden their nominee for 2024, which, you know, let's face it. I mean, is there anybody in this country who really wants Joe Biden to be president for four more years? I mean, if you're a Democrat, that's got to scare you. So uh, if it's a rematch between Trump and Biden, I I, I really like Donald Trump's – uh, you know, his his possibilities of winning.
3: Yeah, me, too. Well, we look forward to hearing more from you throughout the course of the year and getting some results uh, on the books with these caucus and primary right. opportunities. Thank you for being with us here today. Appreciate well, you. Stay
4: warm there in St. Louis. Oh, you we know, are. It's a, about 28 degrees here. <laughs> so it's, uh, I guess that's a lot warmer than what you've got.
3: Yeah, that's a heat wave. <laughs> we'll take some of that. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Okay. We appreciate you. Yeah. Bye bye. I mean, it is it's pretty it's pretty There's such an emphatic difference between what the Republicans are offering and what the Democrats are offering. There's no I think Jim Carafano says said this on the show before. Like, it doesn't really matter who's out there for the left or who's out there for the right. The idea that you were going to vote for one or the other you have a very stark, starkly different opportunity in front of you. You know, Brad, when you think about what the Republicans are offering, if you listen to what—and I know you're a car guy, so you mm-hmm. understand a lot more about the energy that goes into powering cars. I mean, you've talked before about, mm-hmm. like, the energy it takes to power the battery. The power is yeah. the car that you have to charge via yeah. what,
2: coal? <laughs> yeah, coal. N- nuclear, if they had—nuclear, uh, if they had uh, <laughs> the guts to do it. Yeah. They don't have the guts to do it. I mean, really, if we're honest, green energy, the greenest energy the way forward is, is nuclear. But, yeah— a battery, the size of a battery to to contain as much energy as the uh, size of an average gas tank, the battery has to be two to three times larger. And it's heavier because it's got all sorts of big, solid, heavy metals in there.
3: And I'd assume eventually they run out. They do. And where do they go after that? Well,
2: nobody's told me that yet. I don't know. Like I've seen pictures because they've had small little uh, EVs in Europe for a while now. There's just uh entire... Um, graveyard car graveyards Mm -hmm. of of these identical little evs there that are there if like the used market's going to be really bad because the most expensive thing in in an ev is the battery and they do have a shelf life it goes out like if your gas tank goes out uh, it's because it rusted through or it cracked or got hit or something like that it's a rare occurrence an ev battery has a shelf life it's only going to last for a certain amount of time so you buy a new one it's got a nice warranty then the used market comes around, which is the vast majority of cars on the road are used cars. Not everybody's going out and buying a new car. The used market goes around, and you're talking twenty plus thousand dollars to buy a battery. Are you going to buy a used car for five thousand dollars that in two years might cost you twenty thousand to replace the battery?
3: Yeah, yeah. It's
2: it's there's a lot of stuff they got to get figured out. It's first. not
3: that- It's not that we don't want to have those thoughts thought out or implemented, but those thoughts are not we're not done thinking the thoughts. We're not done with the point A to point B where we end up in that circumstance to be able to make that actually workable in our system today. I know that in the state of Illinois that we have a there's a there's a government regulation that says I think I think it is per bay. That you have in your garage, you have to have Mm -hmm. an outlet to plug in an electric car. Now, that doesn't mean that there are going to be any electric cars ever parked in those garages. But the garages, if you're doing a new home build, I'm pretty certain that they have to have an outlet per garage bay. Which, if you do that, if you're building a new neighborhood and you've got three car garages, if you were to actually have electric cars in all of those, there would be no electricity for anyone else to use. They they would have brownouts, yeah. So I mean, we're not there yet. That doesn't mean that. I don't want to scrap the whole thing. I don't have any. I have no problem with the idea of people who choose to go buy electric cars and and live that lifestyle. I understand that the that the the, the benefit of continuing this progress is worthwhile and valuable. But the way that the government is forcing it upon people is not realistic, and we need to be more realistic. I want to play a clip for you here real quick before we take a break because we're going to have uh, Kaylee McEnany on next. Listen, to It's this. go time. I mean, we are crisscrossing the state
6: every single day. We're not going to stop until we get to the final caucus hour, and we're excited. I mean, our numbers are going up. Everybody else is going down, but people are ready to get out there and vote, and I think Iowa's. They do their homework, they know what they have to do, they're setting the tone, and I think they'll get out there and vote. You know, it's, it's you and me now, let's do this, get on a debate stage, and let's give the people a choice. Well, I mean, look, I think you look at the fact that we have a different state system. He's been invisible in New Hampshire, he's been invisible in South Carolina. If he wants to skip New Hampshire and go to South Carolina, I welcome him to South Carolina, but we're going to New Hampshire. That's the next state up, and we're gonna work
3: until the end. So there you have Nikki Haley saying it's a two it's a two person race it's Trump and Nikki. I love all of the things you can say before people vote. That that amuses me. You got you got to get them all out now before there are numbers <laughs> that go Nikki. Uh, scoreboard. Got, you got to talk trash, right? Yeah, but you got you got to do it now. Yes. You can't do it tomorrow. If you got 18% of the vote and Trump got 55% of the vote and everybody else was sharing the remnants. Get it out now while you still can. And then you never know what's going to happen. That's why you're going to keep it here on 97.1 FM Talk. We're going to continue to cover this uh, throughout the course of the day, and we're glad that you're here with us right now. We got to take a quick break because we got to make room for our good friend Kaylee McEnany is going to join us here on the Annie Fry Show when we return. She's a co-host of Outnumbered on Fox. She's also the former White House press secretary. You know who she is, and she is got to be front and center, pulled up a chair with the popcorn, watching what happens next, and she's going to talk to us about it when we return. Kaylee McInnity in just a few minutes. Do not go away. Welcome back to the Annie Fry Show. A very, very cold day here, but it did just warm up to 7 degrees. I reported in the last segment it was 6 degrees But that's nothing like it is in Iowa right now. And people in Iowa have a big responsibility ahead of them. And I keep hearing from the folks in the media covering it that they take it very seriously. And we are awaiting the results of the Iowa caucuses taking place today on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And excited to welcome our guest onto the show. Kaylee McEnany, co-host of Outnumbered on Fox, a show I watch every single day leading into this show. Kaylee, thank you so much for the time today on this busy, busy political news day.
6: Hey, Amy, thanks for having me. It's a huge day for sure.
3: So I want to ask you just your top line thoughts on what you expect out of today as far as results. Are you looking for any surprises? Because every campaign is telling us there are going to be some surprises.
6: Yes, uh, every campaign <laughs> is saying that because that's that's what they have to say, as you know, that's how the game goes. But, you know, my anticipation is, look, the the polling has been off in recent elections. There's no doubt we'd have. You know, Senator Oz instead of Senator Fetterman had polling been correct. All of that to be said, every single poll shows Donald Trump with a catechismic lead. Um, and for polling to be off by that much, it would be. Polling is not just broken, but belongs in the dustbins of history. So (laughs) if polling is in any way accurate, I I would suspect Donald Trump wins, I think, by a historic margin. Um, Historic would be anything more than 12.8 percent. But the question is, does he get more than 50 percent, which would by all accounts be a a just sweep of of the state? Um, I think you'll see Ron DeSantis overperform expectations because he's put in the work. He has the ground game. He has the apparatus. Um, and Nikki Haley, I know she soared to number two in the latest Deloitte Register poll. However, the enthusiasm of her supporters is, is the lowest among the candidates, and that means something, especially when you start talking about those cold temperatures that you noted.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Kaylee McEnany with us right now. I want to ask ask you about what Ron DeSantis has to lose, because I don't I don't think Ron DeSantis got in this race against Donald Trump thinking that it was going to be easy. And of all of the people running for office at the presidency right now, the most money has been spent against him. Steepest hill for him to climb. Do you think that Ron DeSantis, if this plays out the way most people expect it, Donald Trump becomes the nominee. Ron DeSantis goes back to be the governor of your home state of Florida. Is he still going to find himself in a strong political position if that is the result of this primary campaign?
6: I think you ask a, a million dollar question. Um, I certainly hope um, his pl- political capital remains because as you know, Donald Trump, you know should he be reelected, only has four more years. And I think if you just simply look at results, it is inarguable that of the current executives in the country, governors of this country, he has the strongest, most conservative record of, of any governor there is. He has done a phenomenal job in Florida and you can't take that away from him. So I, I anticipate and I would hope that he is someone whose future is just beginning, even though, I mean, a, a failed presidential bid is is not a high mark on a resume. But nevertheless, you're up against what is, and i using this word again, but a historic situation with a former president running. I think the last time that happened was the 1800s. Um, so, you know, I, I would certainly hope that his political capital remains. And I think it will by virtue of the fact that, What he's done in Florida cannot be taken away from him um, or his resume. Yeah,
3: I would agree with that. And we have to ask for voters to be uh, pretty quickly forgetful in some cases, watching these campaigns with the infighting within the party. You get to the general, you need everybody to get behind the nominee. And Donald Trump will have the hardest time bringing people in and making the tent bigger. He's made a comment that he's looking forward to mending fences after this is done, with a little bit of an implication that he's the presumptive nominee. Do you feel as though Donald Trump will be able to expand the tent. You got 8 million more votes the second time you ran than the first time. Do you think he's going to be able to build off of where he left off in 2020?
6: He'll have to. He will have to. Politics, and it's an old adage, but it's true. It's a game of addition. And I know the polling looks extraordinarily strong at the moment for Trump vis-a-vis Biden, but I also know the games of the left. I also know the things they did. The Hunter Biden laptop was, you know, Russian disinformation, the the Russia hoax, all of those things were real. And all of those things, you could argue, affected an election. So, you know, knowing what we are up against, I I don't believe the polling. Um, The polling has been off in the midterms. The polling's been off um, really in every election in in the past few years. So in order to win, President Trump has to overcome the odds of the left Um, And he has to bring in everyone, the DeSantis voter, the Nikki Haley voter. And this is where I think the vice presidential choice is so important. Um, It's an opportunity to add to your coalition. There is no denying Donald Trump has the strongest, most fervent, most energized base in politics that we've seen in the last few decades. But you've got to add to that. And that's where that vice presidential pick becomes so, so important to bring in suburban women, independents, and to bring in the DeSantis coalition in, in your opponent's
3: campaign. Kaylee, do you have maybe not necessarily a name, although that would be awesome if you had that as well. But do you have suggestions of who or what characteristics he might want to use choosing that VP, which he has told us he already has selected himself?
6: Yeah, so characteristics look suburban women, I think, are going to be the hardest coalition to bring home. Um, it's remarkable what President Trump has done with black voters and Latino voters. He expanded his numbers with these groups and polling indicates that um, black and Hispanic voters are, are open to a, a Trump presidency, but it's suburban women that I think are, are very hard to bring home um, and, and someone who can speak to those issues, um, perhaps in a different way than Donald Trump does. We know he's a he's a flamethrower. He's a fighter. Um, but someone who can speak to to, to issues that are very important and weighing on the national conscience. And I think someone who's a good communicator. Um, so we'll see who that is. You know, I don't have a name per se, but you can always look to the field of some of your opponents. Um, you know, people say Nikki Haley, whether you like her or whether you don't like her, everyone has their thoughts, but she is certainly someone who brings in a different base of voters. Just simply if you look at the polling, some of those who are supporting her are moderate Democrats and independents. It's a different group than the natural, organic Trump voter.
3: Kaylee McEnany speaking with us, the co-host of Outnumbered on Fox. She's also author of Serenity in the Storm. I encourage you to check out her books. I've read them; they are wonderful. Kaylee, I wonder can can you can you give us a summation of that suburban woman problem that Donald Trump has? What is it about Donald Trump that has become a problem with that group of people?
6: No, I think the suburban women, and and I am a suburban woman. I, I think differently, perhaps some of uh, my fellow <laughs> suburban women, but yeah, I think it's always been an argument with, with, um, with, with Trump. You know, some people don't like the tone or the tweets or the nicknames, and, and I understand that. Um, but we're at an existential moment of crisis in our country where the issues we're talking about, yes, the economy is huge and, and so important, and it certainly was more robust in the Trump era, but we're looking across the world and we're seeing war in Europe. Um, we're seeing war in the Middle East. Um, like we've never seen before. And it really feels like we're at a tipping point as a country. And so I think for suburban women, someone who can make the case, look, you might not love the tweets. You might not love the nicknames. I hear you, but we're at a point of crisis in our country, and we must change. And I'll take peace in the Middle East over a few mean tweets. And, And someone who can make that argument, To a group and have that argument heard to moderate Democrats and independents is someone who I would strongly put in my consideration of my vice presidential column.
3: Yeah, I have four kids. My oldest, my son is 14 and I'm thinking about world peace means something different to me as a mother of of a son who in four years would be able to be in the service, could be drafted if that is actually the case. Do I want Donald Trump as the commander in chief or Joe Biden? I mean, truthfully. For a lot of women out there right now, that could be the sole issue that would compel them to go vote. And somebody who could articulate that and and support Donald Trump in that way would be a great uh, option for VP. Last question before we let you go. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say another name that comes to mind is Tim Scott.
6: Someone who speaks in a different way um, and can reach some of those those suburban women. You know, I mentioned Nikki Healy, but I just wanted to add Tim Scott is, is another huge yeah. candidate I'd have on that list.
3: Yeah, I, I, we just uh, spoke earlier with Hogan Gidley and, and Steve Moore, and one of them mentioned it as well. Before we let you go, Kaylee, Joe Biden's numbers are just in the trash can. If you're advising this campaign right now, are you running against the Democrat platform or are you running against Joe Biden? Oh, I'm
6: running against Joe Biden. Um, You know, the midterms, the red wave failed to materialize. We've noted that. But I would argue one big difference between the polling being wrong in the midterms and now is Joe Biden wasn't actually on the ballot of the midterms. He takes credit for having a better than expected midterms. But I maintain that his name on the ballot is uniquely troublesome. Um, So every candidate in America should be running against the most unpopular president Going back to Jimmy Carter, and there are even some polls that have him worse off than Jimmy Carter. But again, the, the polls are all theoretical. The vote count's what matters, and I don't underestimate the Democrats with their mail-in voting operation, uh, their command of TikTok. I, I know TikTok's not a great platform um, given that it's run yeah. by the Chinese, but they're using it, and it's working great effect for them.
3: Yeah. Well, Kaylee McEnany, thank you for the time today. I, I think you're d- uh, pulling double duty with a baby on your lap. I've done it before. And they did wonderfully. (laughs) And we thank you for giving us some of your time this (laughs) afternoon. Thanks, Annie. Always great to join you. Yeah, you as well. Have a good day. Bye bye. Kaylee McEnany is the co-host of Outnumbered on Fox News. She's probably my favorite person who's on Fox. She's so smart and uh, very, very good at communicating, which is why she was the former White House press secretary uh, under Donald Trump towards the end of his uh, term. First term. First term. In office. We'll see if there's a second one. We get to get some results tonight. I'm excited to finally get to the bottom of what these polls. They're saying specifically in Iowa versus what the actual results are. I'm wondering if you think that they're going to match up. We'll talk about some of those polls that are out there uh, when we come back and get to a little bit more of the comments from the candidates here. Ron DeSantis, I'll take you, give you this on the way out of this break. He's advocating as somebody who can deliver on his promises. I think it's hard to, dis- to-, to disagree with that. The question is, is he the guy who Iowans are going to want to take them out of the state and into New Hampshire? Here's Ron DeSantis.
0: Well, Donald Trump is focused on his issues, uh, and that's what he talks about. I'm focused on your issues. I'm focused on your family's issues. It's not about me. Um, It's about the future of the country. I've delivered on 100% of my promises. You know, Donald Trump did not build the wall, did not drain the swamp. I've also taken on the left and the Democrats and beaten them on these big issues. Trump, Pelosi, and Schumer beat him on the budget uh, and on all these issues. And so I'm going to be able to get in, win, get the job done. I'm the only veteran running for president, and that means... I'm mission first. Uh, I'm going to focus on you, not going to focus on me. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.
1: linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place with linkedin you can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today four years ago i was uh, speaking on behalf of president trump at the iowa caucuses in sioux city and today, I'm here to do something that none of the other presidential primary candidates have done. And that's endorse Donald J. Trump for the president of the United States of America.
3: So, uh, Doug Burgum endorsing Donald Trump in the presidential campaign. Dramatically swaying the odds <laughs> from from where they were to where they are now. Probably not. Um, let's look at some real clear poll Real clear politics polls for the 2024 Iowa Republican presidential caucus. And I am going to, while we are saying this, I am going to screenshot these just so that we can compare them tomorrow to see if the results look a little bit like what the polling says. Uh, The RCP average. So I have an Emerson, a Trafalgar, an NBC News, Des Moines Register poll, an Insider Advantage, Suffolk University, Iowa State uh, Civics. That's one, two, three, six polls that come together and the real clear politics website makes an average out of them. And Trump is at 52.5%. Second place, Nikki Haley with 18.8%. So second place isn't even at 20%. And obviously if Trump has 52.5%, he has the majority. You can't put everybody else together and beat him. That will mean something to me. If he doesn't get 50%, I'm not saying he's in trouble.
2: Mm -mm. If he gets
3: in the thirties, then the whole thing is upside yeah. down, and we see what comes next.
2: Yeah, I am more not so much. I'm more interested in margin of victory, so I want to know how close somebody gets to him.
3: That's kind of what Hogan said, wasn't it? He he yeah. wants a 25 percent.
2: Yeah, or was that Mark? I don't know. Uh, who was? It? I, think I was wrote Mark. it down. I think it was, it was Mark a Cox. great. Yeah, yeah 25 Mark point Cox. win is what he was calling for. I I yeah. I think if somebody gets within 10 points of him, if somebody gets within five points of him. It's game on, and then, like to our poll question, then it's like, well, everybody who's not that candidate that got within five pon- points of Trump in Iowa should drop out.
3: So let's 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 do it this way: the RCP, I'm going to read you the polls. Okay. I'm going to read you the averages, and then you tell me who should stay and who should go.
2: Okay, based on the poll.
3: If it if if it's mirrors exactly what okay. the polls are saying, if the results mirror the polls, what should happen? Uh, Trump, fifty-two point five percent. Haley, 18.8 percent. DeSantis, 15.7 percent. Ramaswamy, 6.8 percent. And oh, yes, Mr. Asa Hutchinson, 0.8 percent. OK, so who, who should... stays, who goes
2: uh, And that? Who should stay?
3: What well, if it's up to you,
2: if it's up to me, everybody's out. Donald Trump
3: at 52 percent. Yeah, that's enough.
2: It's enough. It's done. You, he's got support of better than 50 percent of the the party. Um what do I think would happen if it mirrored that result? I think Nikki Haley stays in. I think everybody else drops out because I think the the Iowa's Ron's, Ron DeSantis' DeSantis's shot. It, it's Ron DeSantis' shot. If he misses in Iowa, he's not going to do well in the next two states. He's not polling well enough to do well in the next two states. He if, should drop out.
3: If Ron DeSantis is looking out for Ron DeSantis, I think he does what you say. Mm-hmm. I think Ron DeSantis can drop out if it's if it's those numbers. If it's a fifteen percent whatever, and Trump has 50-plus, Ron DeSantis could drop out, endorse Donald Trump, uh-huh. and save everything. Yeah. I don't think that... I think Ron DeSantis would work with Trump to say, I'm going to make a public endorsement of you, and Trump is going to say, thank you. And I think Trump is going to probably get a... um Tongue-in-cheek compliment mm-hmm. out to Ron DeSantis that's going to let Ron DeSantis off the hook. He can't go into the general election in November still beating up on DeSantis supporters.
2: Yeah, doing what they're doing now.
3: You can't afford to do it. No. And if and if Ron DeSantis drops out and throws the endorsement behind Trump, which he would. Yeah. He's not going to throw it behind Nikki no. Haley, and he's not going to not endorse Trump because. His people are Trump people. I am one of the people who supports Ron DeSantis because I think it's the best way to vindicate Trump. Yes, I don't think Trump would agree with that, but I'm also not in this country required to kiss the ring. Right,
2: and, and if I'm in Iowa, I'm I'm caucusing DeSantis at this point. I'm still caucusing DeSantis. Yeah, so would I. Um, and if if it were just DeSan- uh, if it were just Trump and Haley in the election, I don't know. I I think I'm voting Trump. I think that I would vote for Trump before I'd vote for Haley. I just like what Donald Trump has to offer as far as policy more than I like what Nikki Haley... But I completely get the argument that she appeals to the the more moderate Republicans and obviously, based on if what they're saying is true, Democrats who don't like Joe Biden. I get that. I mean, I think, I think Nikki Haley walks into the White House if she runs against Joe Biden. I don't even think it's a contest. But... I don't know that I like what I get from Nikki Haley once she's in the White House.
3: The, well, not as much as the other two. Right. But more than Biden.
2: More than Biden, absolutely. I mean,
3: again, I can't say this enough, which is why I keep repeating myself. If Donald Trump, if I felt, if I felt as confident that Donald Trump could win the presidency if he were the nominee, as I feel that Nikki Haley could win the presidency if she were the nominee, Mm -hmm. I would be Trump first. Yeah. If I felt like Donald Trump wasn't going, I think Donald Trump is our best nominee to permit the Democrats to win. And by saying that, it's our worst shot at the general. I think Donald Trump gives us the worst shot, the most difficult road to traverse to win the general. But if it were Annie, who's queen for the day, I would really be interested to see what a (laughs) Trump second term would look like. And I mean... I, I was going to say selfishly, but it's not even selfishly. It's for my family. It's for my kids. It's for it's for the future of this country. Watching Donald Trump from where I'm sitting right now behind this microphone for four years would be jaw-dropping, eye-popping. Wow. Yeah. I think it's a really exciting way to look at the future. I think Ron DeSantis is a play for eight years. I think mm-hmm. Nikki Haley is a play for eight years. I don't. I. 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 I feel as. I, oh man. I don't want to put Nikki Haley up there and lose like. Mitt Romney lost. Yeah. I just don't think that she would. But here's the big. Here's the big factor that I think that we're not talking about right now, and that's maybe because everything that you would talk about would be pontificating, and it's not based on anything that we can know to be true. The lack of campaigning from Joe Biden. Is an indication to me, that he's not the guy. Right. And that the longer that the Democrat Party can let the Republican process play out without having to spend money against anybody, without having to have candidates spend money against each other on the Democrat side, of course, the longer that the Democrats can let the Republicans fight it out, the less resources the Republicans will have when it comes down to R versus D. And in addition to that, if they don't go out there and try to make Biden happen. Have you seen Mean Girls? Stop trying to make Fetch happen. Fetch isn't going to happen. Biden. Stop trying to make Biden happen. You can't make Biden happen. You can't make Biden. Nobody is going to all of a sudden go, Dark Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's going to do that. Nobody is going to go and all of a sudden flip the switch and say, Joe Biden is a great president. What are you talking? Nobody is going to do that. What they will do is say Joe Biden isn't Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. That's the best shot that they have. Mm -hmm. So for the Democrats to sit by and wait for the Republican primary process to materialize, if something crazy happens and Nikki Haley ends up getting the nomination, I think Joe Biden is out there lickety split. Oh, he's gone. Yeah, Toast. Same with Ron DeSantis. If it's Trump, they can afford to let this play out because people will vote for anybody but Donald Trump, even Joe Biden. Yeah, How bad can a president be and still get a vote? They can be Joe Biden mm-hmm. if he's running against Donald Trump. And honestly, I think what's, that's what the Democrat Party right now is, is playing against.
2: Yeah. And man, when you say that, you know, Nikki Haley becomes the nominee. Well, we're already talking about how some of her support right now is Democrats. That immediately pulls the rug out from underneath their campaign. You know, those Democrats are like, oh, well, I am really a Democrat and I don't have to vote for Joe Biden. Maybe this other person, whoever it may be, a Newsom or a Michelle Obama or, so you know, be. yeah, Dean Phillips, <laughs> <laughs> whoever it might be. They're going to be more willing to vote for that person and, and take a flyer to take a chance, you know, because they are they are Democrats. So it's. The people that are they're in the middle and that are Democrats that are voting Nick that would support a Nikki Haley are no never Trump really don't like Biden people and you give them somebody other than Biden they'll vote for that Democrat over the over Nikki Haley.
3: Uh, Byron Donalds was was this on CNN? Maybe no. Was it Fox? Yeah, it this Foxen? was
2: this was with Maria, I believe.
3: Bartiromo. Okay, yeah, let's listen to what he has to say about the Trump factor.
5: Well, first, I think it's indicative of the fact that the people of Iowa remember how the country was running, how efficient it was, how our borders were secured and how the world was actually at peace when President Trump was running the White House and he was running our country. People in Iowa want to get back to that. And look, no disrespect to, De- to Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, and Vivek Ramaswamy, but they've never done this job. Donald Trump has. So the pressure in Iowa is not on President Trump. It's on these other three candidates. Can they demonstrate any ability to get close to Donald Trump and the actual result, because if they cannot, Maria, this thing is going to be game, set and match because Donald Trump, in my view, is going to win New Hampshire. He's going to win South Carolina decisively. And then we're just going to run away and get the whole nomination.
3: So that- More from Byron Donalds here with Maria Bartiromo on Iowa. Well,
5: I think for Ron DeSantis, he's the one who has the most to lose. He's invested the most into Iowa. Um, they've been speaking a lot about this massive ground campaign that they've that they've done there. But from every report, it just hasn't moved the needle. I'm going to be on the ground. I'm going to be on the ground in Iowa tomorrow. I'll see firsthand. But at the end of the day, the voters of Iowa, like the voters in every other state in the country, they want a return of Donald Trump because it's very simple. Maria. He knows how to do the job. He knows how to get the country back on track. He did it once. He can do it again. And that's why you're seeing the results polling-wise in Iowa. The big thing is going to be turnout. Obviously, you know, it's a massive snowstorm, blizzard up there. It is it is bitterly cold. I got my long johns ready to return to the north. Uh, Maria I used to grow up in New York City, now down in Florida. I got my long johns ready for tomorrow. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, I think the intensity of voters are behind Donald Trump more than the other candidates.
3: You know, the thing about the way the Iowa caucus generally runs and how they pick people I read this a little bit earlier but it's important to understand that the Republican nominee or excuse me the Republican winner in Iowa is not traditionally the nominee at least going back to 2000 George Bush George W. Bush did win the caucus and the nomination and then they didn't have a caucus the next year because he was running for re-election but then Mike Huckabee won in 08 John McCain got the nomination John McCain so Huckabee Evangelical, super heartland conservative, Arkansas guy, uh, wins Iowa. John McCain is like a lot of people's label. Like you could name the swamp John McCain in a lot of people's uh, minds. John McCain, establishment uh, candidate, wins the nomination. 2012, Rick Santorum, evangelical, family man. He's from Pennsylvania, but he's like a heartland guy. He's he's like a middle America kind of guy. Mitt Romney wins the nomination establishment swampy for sure 2016 Ted Cruz again evangelical Texas guy middle of the country like a Republican's Republican wins in 2016 um lying Ted Ted loses the nomination of course to Donald Trump who I wouldn't call an establishment but he was definitely uh the non uh conservatives conservative nobody knew and, and Donald Trump wins in 2016 yeah. because he's not Hillary Clinton. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't. Even, I don't think that Donald Trump would disagree with that. And the idea, if you go back and you look at the numbers of Donald Trump's victory in 2016, it wasn't a resounding victory. He won. Mm-hmm. Not questioning that he, but it wasn't. There was no like Walter Mondale sm- here right. in any way, shape, or form. But if you think about how things shape up, and you think about what Donald Trump was competing against to still win. If he'd had fair coverage, if people would have been lying out of their butts about him all the time, how could he have done there? Donald Trump has never had a fair shake. He's not going to have a fair shake now. I'm really starting to wonder, though, if it is going to be counterculture in a cool, trendy way to support Donald Trump now. I mean, it was in 2016. It was in 2016. But they've effectively taken that and turned it into, you know, white racist,
2: Extreme ultra mega, mega
3: de- deplorable yeah. like they've effectively been able to label that if you're if you support Donald Trump, that means something about mm-hmm. you. I think that that might have I think it might have started to wear out its welcome. I think so. You I, see a lot of young people. I do. Considering the alternative to the old man in chief, mm-hmm. Joe Biden. Yeah.
2: Which is exactly what I saw in 2016. I was
3: working I
2: was working at a high school subbing at a, at a high school. And there were, you know, young men running around the football field with Trump flags. Really? Yes. At the football games, they'd be in the crowd. They'd have the, I forget what they call it, the gold rush or whatever, where the O'Fallon uh-huh. fans were. And there's like a big Trump flag they're waving around. One kid was wearing one as a cape, you like, know, oh. American flag. I was like, what is this? Now, no, nope, they aren't necessarily kids that can vote, but that spills over into people that are a Some little of bit
3: them older. Some can. Mm-hmm. And, and you got to think to yourself, uh, like, I, I said this when Kanye West first came out to support Trump. In my mind, Kanye West said, what is the most radical attention-getting thing I can do? Support Donald Trump publicly. And whether he did or he didn't, I I mean, he did, but I don't know how that worked out for him so much. If you're a kid and a punk and and, and you're a teenager, you might be thinking the same thing. Let us know what you think on the Andy Fry YouTube channel. We'll be right back.
1: Get more at 971talk.com.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,